Welcome to this edition of Scope It Out, the official podcast of the International Forum of Allergy and Rhinology. I am your host for this episode, Mark Dubin from Baltimore, Maryland. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Gersten Nyquist from Thomas Jefferson University Hospital in Philadelphia. We will be discussing his IFAR article, Optimizing the Timing of Biologic and Surgical Therapy for Patients with Refractory Chronic Rhinocytositis with Nasal Polyposis, which was published in July of 2023. Welcome, Gersten, and congratulations to you and your co-authors on the paper. Thanks for having me. I'd like to start, as I typically do uh, with uh, my podcast, uh, by telling everyone why I, a private practice rhinologist, chose this article, mostly because this is all about me but also because it will establish the background for this conversation. Personally, I'm interested in data that evaluates real-world use of these new expensive drugs in my patients. While at this point, I personally have a pretty good idea of those who are not ready for biologics and those that are, I have a harder time with the group that's in the middle. This group that may or may not benefit from them or may or may not benefit from surgery, at least in my region, is readily prescribed biologics by my medical colleagues. Not saying that that's wrong, that's just, that's what's occurring. This population has had surgery, and obviously because I'm a surgeon, although some of our head and neck colleagues would disagree with that fact, I can obviously always offer them more surgery. Should they get a revision procedure? Should they just get biologic? Should they get both? Obviously, each patient's anatomy is different. Each patient's extent of previous surgery may be different, and usually is, even in the hands of the same surgeon, and each patient's medical comorbidities are different. All of these variables demonstrate the need for personalized care for each patient. That being said, I applaud you and your authors on attempting to answer a clinically relevant question with results that we can all apply to our practices. So after my verbal diarrhea, Gerson, what interested you and your colleagues in this? You know, thanks, Mark. Uh, The introduction of biologics to our specialty has really been transformative for our most refractory patients. Both of us manage many patients with advanced disease, such as AERD, AFS, and persistent polyps after multiple surgeries. And we noted, in concordance with the original studies, that while some patients have dramatic benefit on biologic therapy, both in terms of their subjective quality of life improvement and objective findings on endoscopy, that many patients had a more modest reduction of polyp size with persistent symptoms. So we wanted to see how patients did who underwent sinus surgery while on a biologic. Would the addition of a biologic start to preoperatively keep the polyp score near zero after surgery? And how would this impact quality of life, asthma outcomes, and medication usage? Right. So as we dive a little bit more into the article itself, just so everybody's starting on the same page and the range of um, knowledge on the subject varies widely uh, in our listeners, Can you just briefly describe which biologics are FDA-approved by the FDA for uh, CRS with polyposis? Yeah. So biologics are monoclonal antibodies. The first one to come to market was in 2019 with dupilumab, which is an IL-4 and 13 inhibitor after the Liberty trial uh, presented the data. Omalizumab, which inhibits IgE binding to receptors on mast cells and basophils, received FDA approval in 2020. And mepolizumab, which inhibits IL-5 receptor complex, received FDA approval in 2021. So those are the three on the market right now that are uh, approved by the FDA for chronic sinusitis and nasal polyps. Uh, Benralizumab, also a monoclonal antibody for the IL-5 receptor, is in phase three trials right now. Great, thanks. 
So you also mentioned, I think it's important for everyone um, who's listening to understand that there have been two consensus statements published on the use of biologics in CRS with polyposis, one in Europe and one of the NIH. I both believe, I believe both of these were in 2019. Can you just briefly, you know, summarize these rec- the recommendations, which are pretty similar for us? Yeah. So in 2019, which feels like forever ago in terms of biologics, the European Rhinologic Society, with assistance of colleagues through the acronym Euphoria, um, came up with guidelines to help um, decide which patients would benefit from biologics. These are expensive medications. Um, we don't have long-term data. And to help guide treatment, they came up with five criteria. So patients had to satisfy three of the criteria if they've had surgery before and four criteria if they didn't have surgery. So the criteria were they had to have evidence of type 2 inflammation, the need for systemic corticosteroids, or they were had a contraindication to systemic corticosteroids. They had to have a significantly impaired quality of life, meaning a SNOT 22 score greater than 40. They had to have significant loss of smell or diagnosis of comorbid asthma, asthma needing regular inhaled corticosteroids. Then in 2023, they updated it and they said, no, we pretty much got it right, but they lowered the evidence of type 2 inflammation in terms of the amount of eosinophils required to to hit the criteria. In 2019, the NIH also sponsored a workshop, uh, including experts in rhinology, and they published their recommendations in IFAR. And really, the take-home point here is that Biologics should be reserved for patients who are really refractory to medical care and all allergy treatments, and that surgeons should consider surgery before moving forward biologic in most patients who have an acceptable risk. You know, they referenced uh, Dr. Loftus's article noting that 70% of patients with nasal polyps improve after surgery and don't need additional surgery afterwards. And so surgery is really helpful for these patients and should be considered first and foremost before biologics in most patients. And I think that principle of surgery as a great treatment option for many of these patients, maybe even most, holds true today uh, as we look at when to use biologics. Great. That's a great uh, background. So as we get into the meteor article, let's let's just talk a little bit about you know what you did. So if you don't mind, summarize you know the methods so everyone understands how how you uh, organize this and try to to get to your uh, yeah. Thanks. So so we looked at a retrospective study of adult patients who were on a biologic and treated with sinus surgery. Patients had to have one year of follow up. And the goal of the study was to study outcomes at one year for patients who are treated with a combination of a biologic and surgery. The primary outcome measures were a change in SNOT score and polyp score. And the secondary outcome measures were asthma based on a five-question questionnaire through the ACT survey and medication usage in terms of oral steroids and antibiotics. So we had 16 patients included in the study, 13 of which were on dupilumab. And then we compared this group of patients who were treated with a biologic and surgery with patients who just received a biologic. So this was an internal propensity matching system where we found control patients from our internal database of patients who were just treated with a biologic. Most of these patients had underwent multiple surgeries. I think the average patient had underwent two and a half surgeries in, in both cohorts. And we did a matching between the patients who were on a biologic and underwent surgery with those who were on a biologic alone. So we controlled for which biologic they were on, 
their asthma status, AERD status, their baseline SNOT 22 scores, and their baseline polyp scores. Right. So were these, I mean, obviously these are, you're in a tertiary center. Were these patients typically ones who came in on biologics already? Um, were, were, were they, did you guys put them on biologics or was there some, was there some combination of all of the above? It, it was a combination of all of the above. Um, the median time from starting a biologic to surgery was 33 days. So most of these patients when they came in, we said, look, you've had refractory disease, you have AERD, you've had multiple surgeries, you have AFS, we know you're going to fail with just surgery. Let's see how you do with starting a biologic and getting surgery. Um, there were a few patients who were on biologics for quite a bit of time. I think the max was about 250 days. But most of the patients, we went into it with the algorithm of let's start a biologic and do surgery and see if the biologic maintains the pretty much essentially zero polyp score that you get at the time of surgery. Right. Now, it was interesting and uh, you know, maybe jumping ahead a little bit, but you know, there were a couple of patients in there, 3 of 16, who had pretty limited surgery that were on biologics already. Can you comment on those at all? Yeah. A few of the patients had strange anatomy. Uh, two of them had non-pneumatization of their frontal sinus. One of them had non-pneumatization of the sphenoid sinus. So when we were listing the surgery, those patients obviously didn't have the quote unquote complete surgery, but it really was complete for them because they just didn't have pneumatization of those sinuses. Got it. And I think one of the patients was started on a biologic with a primary indication of asthma and it was their first surgery. So they had um, polyps, but not polyps in one of the sinus cavities and that was not addressed. Got it. Great. Thanks for that clarification. All right, so you know now now to the the big news here. So t tell me about what were the results? You know this is this is the super exciting part because you, you know in many diseases that subjective outcomes and objective measures don't always match. But what we saw was a real direct correlation with both the objective findings on polyp score and on their quality of life. So when we look at the SNOT 22 scores, the starting baseline for those patients who underwent combined sinus surgery while on the, let's say, Dupixin subpopulation or Dupilumab subpopulation, their SNOT scores went from 56 to 24, a real dramatic improvement, much beyond the MCID. And there was a much more modest improvement in those patients who were treated with a biologic alone on dupilumab. So their SNOT scores went from 55 to 41. Um, and so the impact on their SNOT scores was, was much more dramatic in the patients who had combined surgery at one year. These are one-year outcome measures. In addition, the polyp scores of those patients who underwent surgery and treatment with Dupixent went from an average of a combined score of 4.85 down to one year at zero. Really, none of the patients, none of the 13 patients had any polyp recurrence. And many of these patients were AERD, AFS, asthma patients. And so they're really the most refractory of patients. And we were seeing very little polyps, really no polyp regrowth. In the control, the starting polyp score was 4.88, and at one year, the mean polyp score was 3.50. So a much more modest reduction in polyp score uh, and a much more modest reduction in the total SNOT score at one year. 
those are the those are the two primary outcome measures that we looked at. We also looked at asthma outcomes, and the asthma outcomes were slightly improved, um, but not statistically significant. And those patients who underwent combined treatment with surgery and a biologic as compared to a biologic alone. And the medication usage was about similar between the two. The confounding factor was that a lot of the patients received perioperative steroids around the time of surgery. So that increased their steroid usage over the course of the year. But if you took away that, it was pretty much equivalent steroid use during the, during the year. So in summary, really the polyp scores and the SNOT scores were much more dramatically improved in those patients who underwent surgery while on a biologic. Yeah, that's impressive. That's an impressive difference. Now, now the, obviously this patient population, because you're an academic rhinologist, is, is, is a group of accumulated disasters skewed towards the more severe. 25% had already been on multiple biologics, 70%, 7 to 10, excuse me, or had AERD, um, in the sinus sur- surgery uh, group and 10 to 16 in the biologic cohort alone, you know, in the, in those who only ha- were on biologics, you know, for those patients who are not in this group, how, how would you extrapolate this data? And how, how, do, how would you tell someone who's, you know, managing this disease to interpret this results with a less severe patient population? Yeah, so I think you laid it out really well. You have your really severe patients that you know are just going to need everything you got. That you need the biologic, the surgery. They're going to they're going to recur after surgery. A biologic may not give them as dramatic benefit as you hope. Um, but then there's those patients in the middle that you're referencing, and I think this goes to the nuanced conversation you have to have with the patient regarding regarding shared decision-making. You know, there's some patients who are really feel like they're suffering. They want everything done. They're open to using a new medication. Cost is not prohibitory. And I think after a discussion with patients, you know, that may be a good patient population to choose a combined surgery and biologic approach after surgery and maximum medical therapy has failed. And then there's those patients who just have recurrent polyps who may just benefit from a full house fast, a a modified endoscopic lothrop, the delivery of topical steroids, and they still may do well also, and they may be reticent to want to start a new medication or the cost may be too much. And I think that's a very appropriate treatment algorithm for a lot of patients also. So I think this really you know, goes to the heart of your relationship and having a full discussion about what we know about biologics, what does it mean to be on them, the fact they have to be on them long term, whether they're ready to make that commitment. And after shared decision making, I think usually in the end, you come to a consensus with the patient based on you know what their priorities are uh, and what the best thing may be to do. So since you had some longer term follow up with these folks, and I think you know we we've all done revision sinus surgery on polyp patients who come in uh, looking horrible and just do better with surgery. Um, since some of these people came in on biologics um, with or were put on biologics with incomplete surgery, have any of these folks who've had were in the endoscopic sinus surgery and biologic arm been able to come off the biologics long term? You know, we've tried to, we've published some data on trying to wean the biologic going for with dupilumab every two weeks to four weeks, trying to wean the medication usage. So we haven't looked at it 
um, scientifically to be able to report on it. It's obviously one of the goals that we have with our patients is to limit the amount of steroids and medications they're taking. You know, but we do know from the original trials that many of these patients, once they come off the biologics, their their symptoms return. And so you can try to maintain them on steroid rinses and other medical therapies to treat the the allergies and whatever the inciting factor might be. But many of them do, unfortunately, uh, recur once you stop the biologic. And the reason I ask uh, is somewhat, and I think it goes also towards my comment about the skewed patient population. In the world of non-academic rhinology, there are, I think there are some patients who when you revise their cavity, you can then get them to the management of their polyploid sinus disease with topicals alone, um, even if they come in on biologics. I think that this patient population was so severe, you know, at baseline that that wasn't the case. But I'd be curious if that extended, you know, to all patients who have had less than full house sinus surgery and are put on biologics for refractory sinusitis. In my world, yeah. for, for better or worse, again, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, um, but my interpretation, my version of the um, guidelines is you're not, I don't personally put people on biologics for their polyposis. I'm not talking about for the reactive airway, unless they've had a draft three with anatomy allowing or wide to be if it doesn't, and they're still requiring multiple courses of steroids for symptomatic control. And again, it does. I don't really care how the polyps look as long as the people feel okay. And I was just wondering, like, in your so that's kind of my management of refractory polyposis in people who have had less than a you know a draft three. What, what's your you know ignore in taking a step back even from the this article? You know, what is your management of a patient with CRS with polyposis who hasn't had complete sinus surgery? Yeah, you, you know, you wish you had that crystal ball when the patient comes in to yeah. know if they're going to recur or not recur, yeah. and you don't know all the time, and, and you're bringing up a, a tough clinical question, and I think there's not a right or wrong answer here, but I do agree with you that there's patients who've had really incomplete surgery, and they would benefit from an opportunity to get complete surgery and delivery of topical medications to see how they do. I think that avoids lifelong use of a biologic. But a lot of those patients are going to recur. And a lot of them are going to come back a year later and have big polyps. And you're going to put them on biologics. And they're going to get I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. None of my patients have <laughs> I got to move to Baltimore. I got to move to Baltimore. Don't tell, don't tell the patients in the Philadelphia region that, about you. So it's tough. But I'll tell you this. What I've learned from this is that although patients get better with surgery, and although some patients have polyps, but they don't feel like they're that bad, once they've had surgery while on a biologic, they've never felt so good. So with that, I mean, if someone comes in on by someone you know they come in on biologics they don't re, they don't have re, they're not on biologics for their you know their pulmonary issues they're on biologics for polyposis but they've had you know a maxillary entrostomy and a a, re, a true partial ethmoidectomy um no you know relatively wide open relatively wide frontals that could be opened is that someone but it's doing well I mean, what what do you do with that patient 
you, you know, it's a really nuanced discussion to say there's an option to do more complete surgery. If you want to try to get off biologics, we could do more complete surgery, deliver topical medications and potentially get you off a of biologic and see how you do. And if you don't do well, then we could always get you back on it again. Or if you're feeling okay on it and you're all right on a biologic and you and you don't want to have surgery, well, that may be hard to convince someone to have surgery at, at that point. But I think there's room for that discussion to say there's an opportunity. You haven't had complete surgery. You may not necessarily need this biologic. We could try more complete surgery and see how you do. Those are certainly the patients in the middle of the road who've got polyps and their underlying systemic inflammatory disease isn't so severe. But for those patients who are the most severe, who've had four surgeries, who've got terrible asthma, who are on prednisone all the time, who have AERD, you know, those patients, you know, surgery is not going to cure them and biologics can be transformative. And if they have an incomplete response to biologics, they're still requiring steroids or having symptoms. Um, they do really well with surgery while on a biologic. That's what we found. That's great. Uh, thanks, Chris, and I appreciate it. Thanks for joining me. This has been a great discussion. And again, congratulations to you and your colleagues on your publication. And thank you, of course, to our Scope It Out listeners. This is Mark Dubin for Scope It Out, the official podcast of the International Forum of Allergy and Rhinology, signing off for now. <laughs>